Want to read or watch the classics and understand what makes them great? If you've ever wondered what makes a particular movie or story so appealing, this show deconstructs storytelling to expose the structure and meaning behind the scenes. My name is Rem Whitcraft, and this is Fiction Briefly. In this podcast, I'll tackle popular films and short stories which hopefully get you thinking about storytelling in new and interesting ways. In my last show, I analyzed the plot structure of Star Wars 1, Phantom Menace, which turned out didn't follow the hero's journey as religiously as A New Hope. So for Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, we'll see how well the writers have stuck with the ancient formula. At least the Rotten Tomatoes audience figures agree. Its popularity is closer to that of the original. A New Hope enjoys a rating of 96%, while The Force Awakens is only 10% lower. It sticks with the standard of an adult hero, and there's a clear main protagonist, which might explain some of its appeal over The Phantom Menace. Remember, audiences gave The Phantom Menace a rotten rating of 56%. If you are a Star Wars fan but haven't gotten to the sequels, there are definite spoilers ahead. We've seen and read many stories about The Chosen One, but how often are they women? Luke and Anakin, Neo and Harry, Moses and Jesus, Oedipus and Romulus, Theseus, Hercules, these figures are born to be legendary and they're all male. Star Wars has shown a revered queen, a kick-ass fighting princess, and female Jedis in small roles, but the sequels are the first to center on a female Jedi and follow her from her extraordinary birth to training and a series of tests. Why is it important to have a female hero? Girl power from the 1990s and the old women-can-do-it-too attitude has flooded the entertainment market with female heroes. Star Wars didn't have to do it, too. But frankly, Star Wars represents an advanced civilization, and what kind of advanced civilization still discriminates based on gender, race, or disability? There are sentient androids and fully functioning, replaceable limbs, but women are still underrepresented in leadership positions and not given decent speaking roles. I would argue that the writers don't have much imagination or suffer from biases of their own. Advanced societies will still have their limitations, but be more creative. Logically, the Star Wars universe would have a strong female character, not a love interest or a helper, not a side character, and it was time to tell her story. My last show featured the origin story for Anakin, father of Luke and Leia, which makes him grandfather to the new villain in The Force Awakens, Kylo Ren. For Rey, we'll still look at psychiatrist Otto Rank's work, The Myth of the Birth of the Hero, as he lists the common components in a hero's birth. Not surprisingly, quite a few of the requirements fit. First, the hero is born of royal or supernatural parents. By episode 9, we finally learn Rey's parentage is both royal and supernatural. We don't have any details about Rey's conception to link her to our other legends, but her life is definitely in danger early on and sacrifices are made to save her life. We see this more clearly in episode 9. As a child, the hero usually loses or is taken away from her parents. In The Force Awakens, she has a memory of being orphaned on Jakku. The child is initially exposed. Jakku is a pretty inhospitable place, but her abandonment was not like the biblical stories and myths where the children were meant to die by the elements. 
The baby is nourished and reared by animals or non-entitled individuals. Ray grows up in the care of scavengers. The hero typically reconciles with the father's representative or takes revenge on her father. Ray finds a mother figure in Leia, now a general, and a kind of father figure in Han Solo. Her last major fight is with her own grandfather, which we also don't see until episode 9. For the plot of The Force Awakens, I reference Vladimir Propp's Morphology of the Folktale as well. This movie has three great writers, though none of them are the original creator, George Lucas. Lawrence Kasdan, J.J. Abrams, and Michael Arndt created an all-new protagonist to center the action around, new helpers, new droids and villains, as well as weaving in the aging characters who survived in the previous films. Who didn't survive? A New Hope had Darth Vader in the Empire. Phantom Menace had the Sith. Now the dark side is known as the First Order, with a new supreme leader named Snoke. But Prop's steps remain largely followed starting with the interdiction. The hero is told to avoid a person or a place. The writers introduce Stormtrooper FN2187, later known as Finn, who we will call the hero for this portion. He has been ordered by Kylo Ren to, as he says, Kill them all and his captain commanded the squad to fire. Violation. The hero ignores the warning. FN2187 goes against his training and refuses to shoot the villagers. Aboard the Star Destroyer, his superior also finds him out of uniform. She says, And who gave you permission to remove that helmet? This is a Star Wars first. The only bareheaded stormtroopers before this were the good guys in disguise. We also see the force used in a way we've never seen before, as Kylo Ren stops a blaster emission mid-fire. Enter the hero Rey in a scavenging sequence, then the discovery of BB-8 and his secret mission. We see evidence of space debris, major wreckage of crashed spaceships, and an AT-AT, another first in the series. Also note how early the dynamic protagonist appears as opposed to Anakin in The Phantom Menace. The next stage is reconnaissance. The villain makes an effort to attain knowledge needed to fulfill their plot. Also aboard the Star Destroyer, Poe is being interrogated by Kylo Ren for the location of the map to Luke Skywalker. After some resistance, Kylo Ren learns Poe hid the plans inside BB-8. Now we've arrived at the stage where the hero shows lack. Rey lacks freedom, a persistent theme in Star Wars. Luke couldn't go to the Academy, Anakin was a slave, and Rey is barely able to feed herself, trapped on Jakku in hopes that her parents will come back someday. She almost pawns BB-8 for food. We see a glimpse of the virtual choking incident of Vader and his war room critic in a scene with Kylo Ren's rival, General Hux. When Kylo Ren identifies FN-2187 as the rogue stormtrooper by using the Force, Huck seems annoyed. After Finn escapes his life as a stormtrooper and is recognized by BB-8, we come to the mediation stage where the hero learns what she's up against. We've switched to Rey as the hero and she will remain in this role the rest of the film. Rey and Finn become targets of the First Order in search of BB-8. The three take off running, or rolling in BB-8's case, 
and the stormtroopers call in an airstrike to target them. Here begins the counteraction where the hero hatches a plan. Ray gets the idea to steal a ship to avoid the TIE fighters in pursuit. The first ship is blown up, so they run to another. It's the Millennium Falcon. After a rocky start, Ray maneuvers the Falcon into the air and races into a spaceship graveyard before ducking inside a massive star destroyer junked in the sand. She eventually causes a fighter to crash while Finn shoots the last one. The hero departs with a sense of purpose. They escape Jakku's atmosphere and into space. After a rage-filled use of his lightsaber and an impressive choking scene from Kylo Ren, we get to the first function of the donor. With the help of a magical agent or helper, the hero gets tested. Before they can get anywhere, they're stalled and swallowed by a bigger ship. This you may recall from Joseph Campbell's hero's journey as the hero in the belly of the whale. It marks the entrance of Han Solo, who will call the mentor in this story. Also enter Han's sidekick, Chewie. This is the stage of the hero's reaction. The hero's skills are tested or she frees a captive. She reacts to the actions of the mentor. Through quick thinking and some bumbling luck, Rey resets some fuses and after a lot of panic, she narrowly rescues Finn from a Rathtar and the good guys all escape in the Falcon. Since Chewie has been shot, Rey takes the cockpit and becomes like Han's apprentice. After a show of her mechanical skill and familiarity with the ship's function, the Falcon can jump to light speed. Skipping ahead of Supreme Leader Snoke and the big reveal of Kylo Ren being son of Han Solo, we get to the provision of a magical agent. They land at Maz's castle, where Maz hides some important collectibles, including the famed Skywalker lightsaber. Rey is called to the lightsaber. As she touches it, she's overwhelmed with images and voices. We get glimpses into Luke's past and her abandonment on Jakku. She runs away in horror and confusion. What Joseph Campbell's hero's journey signifies as the refusal of the call to action. In the struggle stage, Kylo Ren pursues Rey and BB-8. She shoots at him with a blaster, but it's no use. She is caught and taken prisoner. They fly to the enemy base on a snowy planet we have found out is a First Order weapon with multiple planet-killing powers. In the pursuit stage, the hero is pursued by an adversary. Rey has seen the map, and Kylo Ren uses the Force on her to get her to reveal it. He sees into her mind her feelings about Han Solo. Kylo Ren says, You feel like he's the father you've never had. He would have disappointed you. Her mind resists him until she's able to break through into his darkest secrets. She says, You, you're afraid that you will never be as strong as Darth Vader. Kylo Ren retreats, and Rey uses her newfound connection to the Force. It takes her a couple tries, but with the power of suggestion, she convinces a stormtrooper to remove her shackles, leave open the cell door, and drop his blaster. Then there's the rescue, where someone rescues the hero. Did I mention Poe returns out of nowhere? 
To explain what they're up against, Poe compares the puny Death Star in a wireframe computer drawing to the planet-sized might of the First Order Starkiller base, which uses the power of the sun to fire its hyperlight speed weapon. Han, Chewie, and Finn rescue Rey while Poe and some other Resistance fighters neutralize the weapon from the air. Like in A New Hope and The Phantom Menace, the mentor dies at the hands of an enemy lightsaber. The hero then reaches the difficult task, where she must solve a problem. After injuring Finn and knocking away Luke's lightsaber, Kylo Ren uses the Force to summon the weapon. Rey wins it instead. She must somehow learn very quickly how to hold her own against an expert. He tries to win her to his side, but she won't give in. At the solution stage, the hero is triumphant. Then there's punishment, where the villain suffers the consequences of their actions. Ray burns Kylo Ren's face, then the ground collapses between them. The planet is crumbling. Ray runs to Finn, and they get on the Millennium Falcon with Chewie in the pilot seat, rescued just in time. The Starkiller explodes. At the transfiguration stage, the hero gains a new appearance. This comes a step late. But Ray gets a new outfit and takes the place in the pilot seat next to Chewie in the Millennium Falcon. Finally, the classic Russian folktale ends in a wedding where the hero marries and is rewarded or promoted by the family or community, typically ascending to a throne. In The Force Awakens, there is no award ceremony, no applause, no parade, just the passing of the torch, Luke's lightsaber from Rey to the man himself. The initial struggle is over, and the movie ends with the promise of further development for our hero. Though late in the saga, The Force Awakens is full of firsts. The resistance flying an enemy craft, a stormtrooper defecting, a female stormtrooper, and she's in command. We also find out from General Hux that stormtroopers are programmed from birth. The main thing I take away from this episode is that Rey is not the most human hero out there. She doesn't show many weaknesses. She can't be shown anything about flying. She takes to the lightsaber despite having never been trained. Even Luke didn't spar with Vader until episode 5. And it's not clear how she knew to try the Jedi mind trick on the stormtrooper. Even if she has raw talent, she still needs practice. So where did she learn to fly? For a female-centered storyline, the New Order remains a male-dominated endeavor. Besides a captain and a couple of stormtroopers, are there not women evil enough in the Star Wars universe? Is the dark side so sexist that they can't find a use for their power-hungry sociopathic sisters? It also makes me wish Rey would turn, because for all the talk in Episode 1 about Anakin being too old to be trained, somehow this is not a problem for Luke and Rey. Being trained young didn't help Kylo Ren either, though it did provide him with an affecting inner struggle. He's almost a good villain. The writers really play up that two sides of the same coin thing in Episode 8, where he can partially teleport into Rey's location. Ray practically takes his place as Leia's protege, and they both feel deeply conflicted in their roles. Kylo Ren because he fights against the stigma of his origin in the Resistance, 
and Ray because she doesn't know her past. His attraction to the dark side is imaginative and believable. So is his weakness for her. Kylo Ren completes a psychological milestone when he fights his father, and yet somehow he fails Villainy 101. By that, I mean his actions in Episode 9. The Force Awakens has its problems, but overall it adheres to the classic plot structure of a heroic tale which I think contributes to its relative success. Its problems? Being too similar to the original in specifics like a droid carrying vital plans, the initial interrogation by the villain, and the rebirth of the same weapon only made larger. I mean Death Star and Star Killer? As for my contributions, still don't like my impressions? You'll be relieved that I'm done with Star Wars for now, and will be moving on to incest, suicide, and self-mutilation. Of course, the story of Oedipus. I'll also touch on the psychological importance of myth, and why the ancient Greeks can't be ignored. You can comment on this episode or suggest new content on my Facebook page, Fiction Briefly. Thanks to Kestrel and Mexican Spy Company for all music and sound production for this show. Again, this has been Fiction Briefly, giving you a glimpse into the mind of an artist. Thank you for listening.